Chapter Two of Master of the Vineyard by Myrtle Reed. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Brown Alpaca. At seven o'clock precisely, Grandmother Star limped into the dining room. It was one of her lame days, though sometimes she forgot which was her lame side and limped irregularly and impartially with either foot as chance to please her erratic fancy a small lamp cast a feeble unshaded light from the middle of the table for the morning was dark and the room smelled abominably of oil the flickering rays picked out here and there a bit of tarnished gold from the wall-paper and as though purposely made the worn spots in the carpet unusually distinct meaningless china ornaments crowded the mantel but there was no saving grace of firelight in the small black cavern beneath a little stove in one corner of the room smoked industriously and refused to give out any heat rosemary said grandmother star fretfully i don't see why you can't never learn to build a fire get me my shoulder shawl the girl compressed her pale lips into a thin tight line she was tired and her head ached but she said nothing she found the shawl of red and black plaid and spread it over the old lady's shoulders i didn't say for you to put it on remarked grandmother sourly if i'd wanted you to put it on me i'd have said so guess i ain't so old yet but what i can put on my own shawl what i want it for is to wrap up my hands in where's my shawl demanded aunt matilda entering the room at that moment rosemary found the other shawl of blue and brown plaid and silently offered it to the owner aunt matilda inclined her grey head towards rosemary you can put it on me if you like i ain't ashamed to say i'm cold when i am and if i wanted to wrap up my hands i'd get my mittens i wouldn't take a whole shawl you ain't got no reason to be cold as i see remarked grandmother sharply folks what lays abed till almost seven o'clock ought to be nice and warm unless they're lazy perhaps if you moved around more your blood would warm you better try it matilda suggested pointedly an angry flush mounted to grandmother's temples where the thin white hair was drawn back so tightly that it must have hurt i've moved around some in my day she responded shrilly but i never got any thanks for it what with sweepin and dustin and scrubbin and washin and ironin and bringin up children and feedin pigs and cows and chickens and churnin and waitin on your father it's no wonder i'm a helpless cripple with the misery in my back dried peaches again matilda observed scornfully as rosemary put a small saucer of fruit before her who told you to get dried peaches i did if you want to know grandmother snorted this is my house ain't it i've heard tell that it was matilda answered and i'm beginnin to believe it miss matilda was forty-six but in the pitiless glare of the odorous lamp she looked much older her hair was grey and of uneven length so that short straight hair continually hung about her face without even the saving grace of fluffiness her eyes were steel blue and cold her nose large and her mouth large also her lips drooped at the corners and there was a wart upon her chin grandmother also had a wart but it was upon her nose being a friendly and capable sort of wart it held her steel-bowed spectacles at the proper angle for reading or knitting during conversation she peered over her spectacles and sometimes to the discomfort of a sensitive observer the steel frame appeared to divide her eyes horizontally 
they were very dark beady eyes set close together at times they gleamed with the joy of conflict but they always expressed a certain malicious cunning with a single glance she could make rosemary feel mentally undressed had the girl's forehead been transparent like the crystal of a watch with the machinery of thought and emotion fully exposed to the eye of a master mechanic her sensation could not have differed from the helpless awe her grandmother so easily inspired of course the breakfast was not right it never was the dried peaches were too sweet for one and not sweet enough for the other grandmother wanted her oatmeal cooked to a paste but aunt matilda whose teeth were better desired something that must be chewed before it was swallowed and unhesitatingly said so the coffee was fated to please neither though as rosemary found courage to say you couldn't expect good coffee on friday when the same grounds had been used ever since sunday morning i'd like to know what makes you so high and mighty all of a sudden said grandmother coffee's just like tea as long as colour comes into it when it's boiled it's good my mother always used the same grounds for a week for a family of eight and she didn't hear no complaints neither you ain't boiled this long enough that's what's the matter aunt matilda muttered something about beggars being choosers and rosemary pushed her plate away wearily she had not tasted her breakfast grandmother arose and noisily blew out the lamp regardless of the fact that matilda had not finished eating now rosemary she said briskly after you get the dishes done and the kitchen cleaned up i want you should go to the post office and get my paper when you come back you can do the sweepin and dustin down here and i can set in the kitchen while you're doin it then you can make the beds and do the upstairs work and then go to the store by the time you're ready to go to the store i'll have decided what you're to get and continued aunt matilda pushing back her chair this afternoon you can help me cut out some underclothes and get em basted together she never attempted any sort of housework being pathetically vain of her one beauty her small white hands even the family sewing she did under protest is the alpaca all gone asked grandmother yes matilda replied i used the last of it patchin rosemary's dress under the arms it beats all how hard she is on her clothes i'll have to order more sighed the old lady i suppose the price has gone up again rosemary's breath came and went quickly her heart fluttered with a sudden wildness grandmother she pleaded hesitatingly oh aunt matilda just for this once couldn't i have the grey alpaca instead of brown i hate brown so both women stared at her as though she had all at once gone mad the silence became intense painful i mean faltered the girl if it's the same price i wouldn't ask you to pay any more perhaps grey might be cheaper now even cheaper than brown i was married in brown alpaca said grandmother she used the tone in which royalty may possibly allude to coronation i was wearing brown alpaca observed aunt matilda the night the minister came to call made just like this they said together if brown alpaca's good enough for weddings and ministers i reckon it'll do for orphans that don't half earn their keep resumed grandmother with her keen eyes fixed upon rosemary what put the notion into your head queried aunt matilda with the air of one athirst for knowledge 
why nothing the girl stammered except that when i was looking at mother's things the other day up in the attic i found some pink ribbon and i thought it would be pretty with grey and if i had a grey dress the other two exchanged glances ain't it wonderful asked matilda of her mother how blood will tell it certainly is responded grandmother polishing her spectacles vigorously with the corner of the plaid shawl your ma she went on to rosemary was wearin grey when your pa brought her here to visit us they was a surprise party both of em we didn't even know he was plannin marriage and i don't believe he was either we've always thought your ma roped him into it somehow rosemary's eyes filled with mist and she bit her lips she was wearin grey continued aunt matilda light grey that would show every spot i told her it wasn't a very serviceable colour and she had the impudence to laugh at me it'll clean won't it she says just like that and frank says right after her yes it'll clean he knew a lot about it he did she had psychologized him you mean hypnotized interrupted grandmother there ain't no such word as psychologized well if there ain't there ought to be the pink has come out in the blood too grandmother remarked adjusting her spectacles firmly upon the ever useful and unfailing wart she was wearin pink roses on her bonnet and pink ribbon strings it wouldn't surprise me if it was the very strings that rosemary has found in the trunk and is layin out to wear me neither matilda chimed in she was wearin lace on her petticoats and high-heeled shoes and all her handkerchiefs was fine linen grandmother continued maybe you'd like some lace ruffles under your grey alpaca wouldn't you rosemary the girl got to her feet blindly she gathered up the dishes with cold hands that trembled took them out into the kitchen and noiselessly closed the door her heart was hot with resentment even though she had heard the story with variations ever since she was old enough to understand it poor little mother said rosemary to herself dear little mother why couldn't you have taken me with you as grandmother had said for the hundredth time and more frank starr had brought home his young wife unexpectedly the surprise in itself was a shock from which she and matilda had never recovered even now they were fond of alluding to the years of ill-health directly caused by it and of subtly blaming rosemary for it at the end of the third day the young couple had departed hastily the bride in tears a year or so afterward when rosemary was born the little mother died having lived only long enough to ask that the baby be named rosemary rose for her own mother and mary for grandmother star stern white-faced and broken-hearted frank star brought his child to his mother and sister and almost immediately went west intermittently he wrote briefly sent money gave insufficient addresses or none at all and at length disappeared at the time his last letter was written he had expected to take a certain steamer plying along the western coast as the ship was wrecked and he was never heard from again it seemed that rosemary was an orphan dependent upon her grandmother and aunt in their way they were kind to her she was sent to school regularly and had plenty to eat and wear of a certain sort every spring aunt matilda made the year's supply of underclothing using for the purpose coarse unbleached muslin thriftily purchased by the bolt 
the brown alpaca and brown gingham in which she and her grandmother and aunt had been dressed ever since she could remember were also bought by the piece the fashion of the garments had not changed for one way of making a gown was held to be as good as another and a great deal easier if the maker were accustomed to doing it so year after year rosemary wore full skirts of brown alpaca gathered into a band and tight-fitting waists boned and lined buttoning down the front with a row of small jet buttons the sleeves were always long plain and tight no matter what other people were wearing a bit of cheap lace gathered at the top of the collar was the only attempt at adornment the brown ginghams were made in the same way except that the waists were not boned the cheap white muslin which served as rosemary's best summer gown was made like the ginghams her winter hat was brown felt trimmed with brown ribbon her summer hat was brown straw trimmed with brown ribbon and her winter coat was also brown of some heavy material which wore surpassingly well for years her beauty-loving soul had been in revolt but never before had she dared to suggest a change the lump in her throat choked her as she washed the dishes heedless of the tears that fell into the dishpan but activity is a sovereign remedy for the blues and by the time the kitchen was made spotless she had recovered her composure she washed her face in cold water dusted her red eyes with a bit of cornstarch and put the cups and plates in their proper places she listened half fearfully for a moment before she opened the door dreading to hear the dear memory of her mother still under discussion but grandmother and aunt matilda were wrangling happily over the hair wreath in the parlour this was a fruitful source of argument when all other subjects had failed for grandmother insisted that the yellow rose in the centre was made from the golden curls of uncle henry underwood's oldest boy while aunt matilda was equally certain that it had come from sarah starr's second daughter by her first husband throughout the day rosemary toiled cheerfully she swept dusted scrubbed cooked did errands mailed the letter which made certain another bolt of brown alpaca built fires and in the afternoon brought down the heavy roll of unbleached muslin from the attic aunt matilda cleared off the dining-room table got out the worn newspaper patterns and had sent rosemary out for a paper of pins before she remembered that it was friday and that no new task begun on a friday could ever be a success so while rosemary set the table for supper the other two harked back to the fateful day when frank starr brought his wife home they were in the next room but their shrill voices carried well and rosemary heard every word though she earnestly wished that she need not it was friday too if you'll remember when frank brought her said aunt matilda indicating rosemary by an inclination of her untidy head then you can't say friday's always unlucky commented grandmother it may have been bad for us but it was good for her supposin that butterfly had had her to bring up what she have been now she resembles her ma some answered matilda irrelevantly at least she would if she was pretty she's got the same look about her somehow i never thought her ma was pretty it was always a mystery to me what frank saw in her come to supper called rosemary abruptly she was unable to bear more the meal was unexpectedly enlivened by grandmother's discovery of a well-soaked milk ticket in the pitcher from the weekly issue of the household guardian which had reached her that day she had absorbed a vast amount of knowledge pertaining to the manners and customs of germs and began to fear for her life at first it was thought to be rosemary's fault 
but upon recalling that for many years the ticket had always been left in the pitcher the blame was shifted to the hapless milkman some discussion ensued as to what should be said to the milkman and who should say it but rosemary observed with more or less reason that if his attention was called to the error he might want another ticket at length it was decided to say nothing and grandmother personally assumed charge of the ticket putting it to dry between newspapers in the hope of using it again after supper rosemary washed the dishes set the table for breakfast and sat quietly with her hands folded until the others were ready to go to bed she wrapped a hot brick in red flannel for each of them put out the lamp and followed them upstairs rejoicing in the shelter afforded by a closed door she sat in the dark shivering a little until sounds suggestive of deep slumber came from the two rooms beyond then she lighted the two candles that alden marsh had given her and hurriedly undressed pausing only to make a wry face at her unbleached muslin nightgown entirely without trimming she brushed her hair with a worn brush braided it tied it with a bit of shoestring and climbed into bed after assuring herself of the best light possible she unwrapped the little red book he had given her a few days before and began to read eagerly one of the two wonderful sonnet sequences of which the english language boasts love's throne was not with these but far above all passionate wind of welcome and farewell he sat in breathless bowers they dream not of as by magic the cares of the common day slipped away from her and her spirit began to breathe upon the heights she walked firmly now and as surely as though she felt the hills themselves beneath her feet born with her life creature of poignant thirst and exquisite hunger at her heart love lay quickening in darkness till a voice that day cried on him and the bonds of birth were burst and again lo it is done above the enthroning threat the mouth's mole testifies of voice and kiss the shadowed eyes remember and foresee her face is made her shrine let all men note that in all years o oh love thy gift is this they that would look on her must come to me the divine melody of the words stirred her to the depths of her soul hunger and thirst ran riot in her blood her heart surged with the fullness of its tides but april's sun strikes down the glades to-day so shut your eyes upturned and feel my kiss creep as the spring now thrills through every spray up your warm throat to your warm lips for this rosemary put the book aside with shaking hands i wonder she thought how it would be if any one should kiss me me she whispered not the women in the books but the real me the book slipped to the floor unheeded she sat there in her ugly nightgown yearning with every fibre of her for the unknown joy the flickering light of the candles was answered by the strange fire that burned in her eyes at last her head drooped forward and blind with tears she hid her face in her hands oh dear god in heaven she prayed passionately open the door of the house of life to me send someone to love me and take me away for christ's sake amen End of chapter 2